An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 383, Submission 1835. Howie, Howie was an unsold pilot for CBS in 1962. Greg, I think you said previously that this pilot was sort of reminiscent of the Paul Lynn show? Yeah. Okay, now I just wanted to confirm that. Uh, and the thing is, I wasn't here for the Paul Lynn show. That's when I was hospitalized, and I think we all know the story of that. Paul Lynn, he wasn't even the Howie in this. He wasn't even the main character. This was a, an interesting story. Howie is actually... Paul Lynn's soon-to-be son-in-law. Yes. And, well, let's just say that when Paul Lynn's character uh, heard about his future son-in-law, he had some very grandiose expectations. Yes. Specifically, a lot of money, well-educated, and I think we should put Corky in here. You won't believe what happened. Well, it's true. It really is true. I don't want to give away too much of the pilot because we're going to watch it in a little bit. As we said, the main star here, even though he's not the title character, is Paul Lind. We all know who Paul Lind is. I don't think we need to go through his resume. Yeah, we already did that in the Paul Lind show, so. Playing his wife, Edith, Edith Sims, to give her a last name, is Peggy Knudsen, or Peggy Knudsen. She did a little bit of everything up until 1965, even though she didn't pass away until 1980. She did The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. She did Perry Mason, The Real McCoys. She was that actress from that show in essentially the 50s and the 60s. Playing Howie himself is Will Hutchins. Actually, later became a known actor. He was, oh my gosh, this is what I get for looking at his credits on IMDb. He was in The Happy Hooker Goes to Washington. Oh, that's terrific. The Happy Hooker Goes to Washington. First ever reference to that, I'm sure. Unless you guys did one that I didn't know about. No. First and probably last reference to the happy hooker goes to Washington. She was a happy hooker, all right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what the hell is that? That's New Janet. Oh, my. Some better work that he was on. He actually played Dagwood Bumstead in the 1968-69 version of Blondie. He also played Woody Banner on something called Hey Landlord, which looks like a random season in 1966-67. And believe it or not, 
he hasn't done much since 1977 it appears he was in the movie maverick in 1994 as an uncredited spectator but he actually has a credit from 2010 in something called the romantics I'm gonna guess it's a movie playing grandpa mcdevin so needless to say he has had a very long career still with us at the age of 93 oh playing barbara who i believe is the daughter and actually taking a look at her imdb and her age yes she was born in 1940 so that would translate to like 21 22 years old is mary mitchell wouldn't really know her from much of anything she was on a couple of episodes of hogan heroes a couple episodes of perry mason episode of the man from uncle three episodes of the loves of dobie gillis two episodes of leave it to beaver that's just about uh, her career in a nutshell hasn't done anything since 1967 it's been a real dry last 56 years for her playing sally in this pilot that's the youngest daughter that's the youngest daughter yeah because she's definitely not of age to be dating howie at this point because she would have been all of 15 years old when this recorded probably is sherry alberoni we're gonna talk about her sooner or later she had a couple of voices in cartoons in the 70s and they're definitely on the list the ones i'm talking about partridge family 2200 a.d she was Lori partridge on super friends uh, she played a number of voices but also, I know this is on the list, and gosh, Greg, this was on HBO Max. Hopefully when Max returns tomorrow. I mean, this is coming out on Monday, so tomorrow Max is going to premiere. Hopefully this is on Max. Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space. I hope Max deletes this so <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> she was also on the regular Josie and the Pussycats as Alexander Cabot. And she was also on nine episodes of Family Affair. And we're talking about the original. We're not talking about the remake from like 20 years ago. We're talking about the one with Sebastian Cabot. The one with uh, Mrs. Beasley. Who couldn't forget that? Buffy, Jody, Colonel Lunch, I made peanut butter and banana sandwich. Would you make a sandwich can I tell Mrs. Beasley? Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course, like the other century, stupid old doll. <laughs> I can't believe you just did the entire scene from the critic. Oh my gosh. And, and that's with Marlon Brando playing Sebastian Cabot's role. Oh my gosh. All right, I need to compose myself after that. Uh, playing Marshall. I'm not Marshall, I'm sorry. I can't speak because of that horrible impression of the damn thing. What okay. do you mean horrible? It was a great impression of the damn thing. Oh my gosh. So as I was So as I was saying, uh playing Martha in this pilot is Shirley Mitchell. She did a little bit of everything. She played Opal Clampett on the Beverly Hillbillies. She actually voiced Betty White in an episode of Mad. Not Mad TV, the uh, car uh, Cartoon Network version of Mad from like 11, 12 years ago. 
Oh. She was on an episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. She voiced Kathy's mom, the comic strip character Kathy. She voiced Kathy's mom on three different specials. I didn't know there were even three Kathy cartoon specials out there. Who knew? Well, now we do. And Greg. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm going to add the end Greg in a second. We talked about this pilot next week. We're going to try and find it for some future pilot month. She was on the Rita Moreno show. I bet that was a hot, spicy number. No, it sucked. No, get it? I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. But no, the reason I was just like, I can't say this because I know it's going to happen. In 1986, she was on an episode of New Love American Style. And as we've determined, New Love American Style is just all right. Just all right. Me and the G-Man, we came to an agreement that it was just all right. By the way, in our next episode, I'm told that he has personally like, sent me a telegram. Because the G-Man, he doesn't do cell phones, okay? He just, whatever... I don't know why he doesn't do cell phones, okay? I guess because he's on the open road all the time. So, he said, telegram me, and he said, he's going to be on the next show for my birthday, which I'm excited about. I'm surprised that the G-Man is still stuck in 1988. Next playing Bob Wilson is C. Lindsay Workman. This is a very interesting credit for C. Lindsay Workman. He played, I'm going to, this is actually the name. Obviously, this isn't a character. This is what the character said. He was obviously a coat man. He was, as IMDb says, your coat, sir, in the Naked Gun two and a half smell of fear. I love the fact in the Naked Gun movies, they gave credits for the character names of whatever line they said. And the best part in the credits of the Naked Gun is Francis from Pee-wee's Big Adventure is credited as, Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! Yes! That's great. He was actually credited as, Hey, that's Enrico Palazzo. Hey, but you know what? That's literally like his only line in the movie. What a great line it is. Also about uh, C. Lindsay Workman. Wasn't in any of the Kathy TV specials. This is, might be a step better. He was on four different Garfield specials. You heard me, four. He played Professor O'Felix on Garfield's Babes and Bullets. God in Garfield, His Nine Lives. An old man in Garfield in disguise, and Garfield's grandfather in Garfield on the town. Garfield's grandfather? Garfield's grandfather, yeah. I didn't know Garfield had a grandfather. Well, did he just, like, appear out of thin air? Of course he had a grandfather. He wasn't just, like, genetically created in some laboratory. He had to have a grandfather. How do we not know he was genetically created in the laboratory? We didn't have that science in 1983. Don't overthink it. 
maybe we did, but who knows. All right. Playing Mr. Hoskins in this uh, episode is Robert F. Simon. Greg, you're going to love this. He was in The Amazing Spider-Man, the series from 1978 to 79. I think we talked about that. Yes, we did. He was J. Jonah Jameson. That's right. He was. And, hey, next week, we have Across the Spider-Verse coming out. We're going to have something to honor Across the Spider-Verse next week. Indeed we are. You're absolutely right about that. There's some other ancillary characters, but those are the main people in this pilot. Uh, we're going to play it right now. Uh, we'll actually do a uh, listen-along, uh, sort of like what we did for Pointless and The Cube and some other stuff recently. Decorated. What must have cost a fortune? Oh, I just put on a few new slip covers, twenty-seven fifty. We wouldn't want our son-in-law to think we had a shabby home, would we? Of course not. That's a new suit. Well, you wouldn't want our son-in-law to think he had a shabby father-in-law. <laughs> you know, Edith, it's a weird feeling meeting your son-in-law for the first time, especially when he's a millionaire. <laughs> Hope they'll stay for a while. Oh, I imagine they'll just stay a night or two and then be off to honeymoon in Europe or somewhere. In her letter, she said the world was her oyster. Oh, I uh, just happen to have it here. Well, let's hear it. <laughs> Wait till you meet Howie. He's been around the world three times. He's very modest, but one night he let it slip that his boat was the largest in the Mediterranean. That makes it bigger than Anastasis. <laughs> This will interest Daddy. Howie's a mathematical genius. He charts the stock market, and he's never wrong. What if we bring his own ticker tape? <laughs> he's on the golf course every day and shoots in the low 60s. Oh, what do you shoot, dear? Keep reading. Howie is the richest man I've ever known. That's the part. <laughs> Go on. And the most generous. I never dreamed I would ever have so much. Edith, we mustn't let Howie go to our heads. What do you mean, dear? Well, I suppose a man like Howie will have made plans for us. But we mustn't let him, no, sir. We're going to continue to live the same simple life we've always lived. Oh, uh, what's that? Imported champagne. <laughs> the same simple life we've always led. We're not going to accept a thing from Howie. Not even a little red convertible? Absolutely not. What if he invites us for a cruise on his yacht? Well, we don't want to be unfriendly. <laughs> that must be them. Oh, guys. Oh. Here's the bride! Oh, Barbara. my baby! My baby! My oh, darling! Hi, Barbara. You don't look any different. Everybody, this is Howie. 
Mr. Dickerson. Hello, Dad. <laughs> At least I wasn't going to be cheated out of a wedding cake. <laughs> I want you to go down to the office and have lunch with me. I want everyone to meet you. Oh, I'd love to, Mr. Sims. Walter or Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's time for a wedding toast. All right, Barbara. Here's Howie's. Thank you, Dad. Here's yours, honey. Edith. Dear. And one for Dad. A toast to the bride and groom. Wherever you may be, whatever remote corners of the world you may find yourselves in, may happiness and joy be with you always. Thanks, Dad. Trotika Marav Salantikin. What's that? It's an old Yukardi tribal toast. May there always be many fingers in your pot. <laughs> I guess it doesn't translate too well. Languages. Well, my Yukardi's kind of rusty. Well, I don't imagine too many people on Long Island will notice. <laughs> Excellent champagne. Dom Perignon. 1952. That's right. How is the connoisseur? Well, it's kind of a hobby with me. Well, I respect a man who has champagne as a hobby. Where are you and Howie going from here? That's up to Howie. Oh. Oh, I hadn't thought much about it. That's the way I like to travel. Free as a bird. Just get on your yacht and sail the seven seas. You have a yacht? I, and he was speaking figuratively. I love boats. Barbara told us. <laughs> Howie, have a, have a cigar. Oh, thank you, sir. I have them especially made for me. Brazilian tobacco. Yes. This comes from the mountain region near Gopori. Well, imagine you knowing my tobacco. Oh, it has a very distinctive flavor. It's the only Brazilian tobacco that the native Indians still trample with their bare feet. <laughs> if you're interested in Indian culture, this will fascinate you. <laughs> what is it? It's Soshi Quetzal, the Aztec goddess of fertility. Beautiful. Don't touch him. <laughs> Howie says it's an absolute guarantee that you'll have children. He'd like an even dozen. How lovely. <laughs> yes, Edith. Why don't you take Barbara upstairs and help her unpack? All right, dear. They, that means they want some man talk. Come on, girl. Don't be long, my love. My own darling. yourself comfortable, son. This is your home. Well, that certainly is nice of you, Dad. I really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate your taking the time to visit with us. I know how busy you must be with the stock market and... Oh, that's just a hobby. <laughs> yeah, I chart stocks on paper, but I never gamble. Oh, what are your primary business interests? 
Well, until recently, I've been with a national pole company. You owned this company? Oh, no, I was an employee. That is to say, you were on the board of directors. <laughs> Boy, that sure would tickle Mr. Melnicker. <laughs> Mr. Melnicker, who's he? He's the man who fired me last week. <laughs> fired you? Yeah, I made certain suggestions as to the reorganization of the company that didn't set too well with him. I was a field employee, and I went around making surveys. And for every questionnaire that was filled out, I got 50 cents. <laughs> that's, a, that's another hobby. That's my living. Uh, early mornings, I caddy. <laughs> Didn't Barbara tell you? She mentioned you were on the golf course every day. Uh, what, what does your father do, Howie? He's a butcher in Eagle Rock, California. Barbara told us you had the biggest boat on the Mediterranean. Barbara always gets that wrong. I told her it's not a boat, it's a ship. But it's the biggest. Well, uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt was. Of course, the Navy's built bigger carriers since then. <laughs> a carrier. You, you were an officer in the Navy? Started out as an officer, ended up as a seaman second class. <laughs> they were running that ship and... Uh, what's the matter, Dad? You look kind of... <laughs> here, here, Mr. Dickerson. Are you employed? Oh, no, sir, not at present. <laughs> I've had a lot of jobs, but none of them ever seem to last very long. <laughs> I find it hard to adjust. I suppose you might call me a nonconformist, sort of a beardless beatnik. <laughs> Don't you find it difficult to employ the most fruitful years of your life in doing work that's trivial? Do you have enough money to support my daughter? No! That's why I was so pleased when Barbara said we could move in here. <laughs> care about material things. I was perfectly happy in San Francisco living at the Y. But I'd like Barbara to have something better, Dad. Ada. <laughs> Ada. Ada. She's a fake, just a fortune hunter. Honey, if he married Barbara for her money, it should last him until about uh, six o'clock. They're planning to stay here. Well, just until Howie gets a job that's suitable for him, dear. And we're in trouble. I think Howie's operating on the 10-year plan. <laughs> what in the world made Barbara write us that Howie was the richest man she'd ever known? She wasn't talking about money, dear. She was talking about Howie's love. That's why they're rich. Oh. <laughs> to my new son-in-law, the beardless beatnik. Hey, Greg, did you notice the uh, that Tiki Idol or whatever? Yeah. I think they stole that from uh, from Turnabout. Why did they give that to Turnabout in the first place? That thing's cursed. <laughs> it is. Yeah. This show didn't get picked up and turn about, well, the less said the better. Oh, God. But you could just see poor 
Holland's heart sink when he finds out that Howie's not who his daughter Clayby was. I think saying his heart sank is being very nice. I think there's a lot more than that. Well, let's see what hijinks uh, Paul Lind uh, and his new son-in-law get into. Yes. Sally? Where's Howie? <laughs> He's upstairs doing his yoga exercises. He had breakfast hours ago. Uh, dear, uh, why don't you skip your bacon this morning? Why should I? Uh, we're out of it. <laughs> no. Gotta go now. Bye. Bye, Bye honey. Who did my crossword puzzle? Howie! He did it in seven minutes. How long does it take you, Daddy? Aren't you late for school? <laughs> Edith, you know I look forward to doing my puzzle on the train every morning. Well, I'll order an extra paper. Barbara says Howie's an absolute genius. Well, believe me, Edith, for every genius in the world, there's a non-genius right behind him. Picking up the check. <laughs> Uh, what's that? Howie playing his oboe. Barbara says he plays it when he's happy. <laughs> Edith, I know they can't move out until he gets a job. But can't we go someplace else? Walter, Howie's so sensitive. But what am I, some kind of clod? I'll be glad to pay for an apartment for them. Howie says he isn't going to leave until he can stand on his own two feet. Something illogical about that. <laughs> you know something? I bet I've got the only son-in-law on Long Island who plays the oboe at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, seem to have luck when I play with you, Martha. I hope it hangs on tonight. Hi. Oh, hi, Barbara. We're going to start rehearsing our string quartet now. I hope it won't disturb you. You go right ahead, dear. No, honey, just close the door. Okay, Daddy. Now, let's see. What we got here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, folks, I'll, uh, I'll open with one diamond. Uh, a double. See, a diamond double up. I'll, I'll stick with two diamonds. I, I will bid two hearts. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'll double two diamonds. Oh, you could be thrown out of any bridge club in the country for bidding like that. <laughs> well, now, let's see. Uh, Edie doubled two diamonds, so I don't have to. Okay, I pass. Oh, this is obviously what is known as informative bidding. We've been playing with the Wilsons for 12 years. Both girls do it, so it evens things up. <laughs> well, now, look, if I've done anything wrong... No, no, Would you like to cut in after this hand? Oh, no, thanks. It's more fun watching. <laughs> I figure out what I do, and then I see what you do. <laughs> I like Brahms as well as anyone, but that's ridiculous. A Mozart. A uh, Mozart. If you've heard one, you've heard them all. <laughs> The cello's playing an improper inversion of a major seven. You go ahead, I'll fix it. Well, why don't you do that, Howie?
Well, if it's any comfort, he's kibitzing the string quartet, too. <laughs> I liked it better the other way. <laughs> Me too. There. I think all the rest are mine. Oh, Am I? Yeah. You got them. Martha, we're down one. Oh, how'd you do? Down one? <laughs> how did, uh, how did you know, Howie? Well, you lost it on the first trick. All you had to do was go up Jack of Spades. Thanks, Howie. <laughs> What's the matter with her? I don't know, Daddy. Howie showed her how to play the passage, and then she got right up and marched out. I guess she's one of those people who can't stand being criticized. The world's full of people like that. <laughs> oh, hey, please don't leave. I was going to play my oboe for you. Good night, Leonard Bernstein. Oh, uh, yes, well, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Yes, I'm right in the middle of a rubber. son-in-law the genius he's a little eccentric but but he's brilliant as a matter of fact i might be able to do a favor for you how he mentioned he might be interested in taking a job to get a little practical experience in uh... good night walter did you say you were looking for someone in your personnel department good night walter do it do, do it for me as a favor well what happened from your description i expected a combination of paul getty and, and jack lemon well he turned out to be all lemon <laughs> No Jack, just lemon. Why, <laughs> oh, you, you poor devil. All right. All right, Walter, I'll give him a chance. Tell him to be at the office at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. I'll never forget this. Howie, Howie, good news. Mr. Wilson has a job for you. Start work tomorrow morning. Isn't that wonderful? Well, I don't know. What kind of a job is it? Good night, Walter. <laughs> it's in the personnel department of a large publishing firm. Publishing? I like the idea. Sounds like a real creative challenge. <laughs> Our ships come in, honey. How he's going to work for Bob. Well, good night, you two. I'll see you next week at our house. <laughs> good night, night, Bob. Thanks, nice, Bob. Won't forget this, Bob. I wonder if you can freeze the coffee cake. Well, if you wrap it tightly and seal it, you can freeze anything. <laughs> Did you say something? <laughs> Just thinking, Howie. Uh, well, well, I'm gonna go tell Barbara the good news. Good night, everybody. Good night, Howie. Good night, Howie. Good night. Try to understand him, dear. I do. That's what terrifies me. <laughs> hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Oh, hi, dear. The bitch came over so early. What happened? It was called on account of wind. Mother, this is Jimmy Keith. Hello, Hello, Jimmy. And this is my father. How do you do, sir? What do you do for a living? Uh, well, I uh, guess I'd better be going. What's your hurry? You just got here. You can sit and talk to me for a minute. Well, sure, if you like. Go oh, What was that? My new brother-in-law. Well, how was the movie? Fine, thank you. Jimmy Keith, Howie Dickinson. Ah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, good night. Hey, you ought to have the lights out. Some music. What for? 
Well, it acts as a stimulant in courtship. Yeah. Why, uh, the Zulu mating customs are probably the most fascinating. What do they do? Well, when a Zulu boy and a Zulu girl are attracted to each other, they're put into a grass hut together. And the grass hut is completely blocked out. Now, the village witch doctor stands outside, beating out rhythms on a jungle drum. The results would amaze you. <laughs> Have a pleasant evening. Thank you, J.R. Hennessy's the stubbornest man I've ever met. Imagine him trying to hold up a $50 million skyscraper because he didn't want to move his newsstand. But he's going to. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He, Hennessy will be here this morning to sign the releases. I, uh, I had to offer him five times what the lease is worth, but it's for the benefit of the community. There'll be a nice bonus in this for you. Maybe a little extra vacation. Well, he'd have been talking about getting away on a little trip. You can take a cruise on your son-in-law's ship. <laughs> yes. Who's here? Oh, what does he want? I asked him to have lunch with me. Hi, Dad. You've lost your job. Oh, no. Mr. Wilson says I'm getting along just great. About lunch. I'm afraid oh, I can't. I'm in no hurry, Dad. Anytime you're ready. Yes. They are? I'll be right in. I have to go into the boardroom for a few minutes. I'm afraid I can't offer you anything to read except the uh, law review. Oh. oh, I've read this issue. Did you read uh, <laughs> Did you read Chief Justice Powell's article on the ambivalence of writs? Not yet. Well, read it. He's all wrong. <laughs> Isn't Mr. Sims here? Oh, he'll be right back. Uh, this is Mr. Hennessy. He has an appointment with Mr. Sims. Is it all right if he waits in here? Well, certainly. Won't you be seated, sir? Oh, thank you. Would you care to glance at this law review? If it's got anything to do with lawyers, I'm against it. A man works all his life to build up a business, and then some smart lawyer comes along and takes it away from him. Mr. Sims is a wonderful lawyer. If anybody can help you, he can. Yeah. 
He's helping me, all right. Well, I gather somebody's trying to take your business away from you. Forty-five years, I've had my newsstand on, on one corner. And all my customers are, are old friends. And now they want to put up a skyscraper and throw me out. Well, don't you have a lease? Sure, but what good does it do? I looked it up in the law books. It says uh, they can throw me out for oh, eminent something or other. Eminent domain. Mr. Hennessy, Mr. Sims will tell you that eminent domain is invalid in all cases where private rather than the public gain is involved. Are you sure? The state of Massachusetts versus Smith. No one can dispossess you unless you're willing. Well, they, uh, they, they are offering me a fairly good price for my lease. Beside the point, do you want to move? No, no, I don't. Why, why, I'd miss all my customers. Then, then your advice is to... Hold out, Mr. Hennessy. Don't you sell at any price. Thank you. Thank you, young man. You're the most honest lawyer I've ever known. Well, aren't you going to wait for Mr. Sims? No. I'm going to take your advice and go right back to my newsstand. <laughs> well, did you have a nice conference, Dad? Fine, Howie, fine. Mary, when Mr. Hennessy arrives... Oh, Dash! When Mr. Hennessy arrives, send him right in. He what? Well, he couldn't have. He hasn't signed the releases. Well, Mr. Hennessy... Howie, I'm talking. <laughs> well, send someone out to find him quickly. Dad, if you're looking for Mr. Hennessy, he just went back to his newspaper stand. <laughs> yeah. Talk time. Oh, yes. He wanted to sign those releases, but I knew you wouldn't want him to, so I told him about Massachusetts versus Smith, and he decided to keep his stand. Uh, you, you talked him out of signing the releases. Don't thank me. You were in a board meeting, and I wanted to be helpful. Oh, you have been, Howie. <laughs> I'll tell you what you've just done. In less than five minutes, all by yourself, you've ruined the case I've been working on for a year. And you've cost me my biggest client. Well, how could I? Massachusetts first? I don't care a hang about Massachusetts. I never care about your getting out of here. But, but, but. Maybe we ought to have lunch another day. You shouldn't eat when you're excited. <laughs> my ulcer! For ten years it hasn't bothered me, and you brought back my ulcer! You say, Dad, the juice of the tan bark tree is wonderful for ulcers. South American diet. Out! Oh. Out! <laughs> reaction to what he was about to hear, you know what my reaction would be? Susan? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. My reaction, just watching that entire segment, this goes back to a pilot we saw, I think it was about two years ago. I got some real strong The Nerd vibes. You remember The Nerd? Oh, yes. How could we not forget the nerd? Where he played like that stupid instrument or did the stupid dance or whatnot and, and like was the know-it-all type of person. 
he came across as the nerd in terms of, oh, well, look, you're playing bridge and, oh, I wouldn't have played it that way. And, oh, oh, you're down one nothing. Oh, I knew that because you didn't do this. The whole thing, even like right now with the whole eminent domain thing, just speaks the nerd to me. Just somebody you just want to like slap across the face. Just be like, shut up. Mind your own business. You're a nuisance. Well, both of them are based on plays, so. They are both based on plays, absolutely. But like I said, just he comes across as the grading. I don't even want to say, well, son-in-law, but yeah, I, he just like comes across as a know-it-all and a nuisance. And I'm not surprised that Paul Lind got an ulcer from him. And I'm surprised Paul Lind hasn't done anything else to him at this point. But I will say, this is very funny. Oh, yeah. And also, I should note that the Howie character in Paul Lynn's show is exactly the same as it is in this pilot. So, And it should be noted that this plot point is exactly the same as the pilot for the Paul Lynn show, except with a newsstand. It's a porn theater run by Dick Van Patten. Okay. I got it. Well, we got about nine more minutes left. <laughs> They don't allow women on aircraft carriers. But you can't go back in the Navy, darling. You hated it. At least they'll make me keep my big mouth shut. I'll send you all my pay. I won't need anything for myself. But I don't want all your pay. I want you. I love you. I love you, Barbara. That's why I'm leaving. One of these days you're going to take off that just married sign. Clear the rice away and get a good look at me. Then you'll see what everybody else sees. I don't want to be around when that happens. But you just haven't found yourself yet. I found myself, all right. I'm a nobody, Barbara. A cut-rate nobody. Your folks are the first family I've ever had, and they can't stand me. Well, I don't blame them. I can't stand myself. I've been a first-class pain in the neck. But you've been right. Being right isn't always important. Well, what's more important, I'd like to know? getting along i've tried to act like other people but i just don't know how well i'm not going to stay and make all of you unhappy how's your ulcer dear oh after today i'm surprised i'm living here dr daniels wants me to take this three times a day what is it? It's something new from South America, the juice of the tan bark tree. <laughs> Daddy, you've got to stop him. Who? Howie, he's packing to go back into the Navy. The Navy? <laughs> well, it'll be difficult for you, but uh, we'll help all we can. About me, I'm worried about Howie. I watched him packing just now. Six pictures of me and one pair of socks. What's going to become of him? The Navy will give him socks, honey. Well, they will. The Navy can't give him what he's lost. He doesn't believe in himself anymore. 
He's just going to shut up and take orders. Well, there's nothing the matter with that except that he won't be using that wonderful mind of his. Oh, that wonderful mind of his. <laughs> we failed him. We failed him? Daddy, I know it isn't true, but uh, Howie has the feeling, well, that, that you resented his living here with us. Well, I can't imagine where he ever got such an... <laughs> well, go tell him it isn't true, Barbara. I... Daddy, I tried to talk to him. You won't listen to me. Walter, you've got to go up there and tell him he's got to stay here with us. Me? She's right. But what'll I say? I've grown accustomed to your face. <laughs> You can be pretty smart when you want to be, Daddy. Now what? Oh, here. You sit down here. I'll get it. Thanks. Excuse me. Sister Hoskins. Maybe we should What is the I just heard about the Hennessy case. Wait, I can explain it, J.R. I just... Walter, I had to come by and personally congratulate you. They congratulate me? How did you find out that the Journal-Telegram had a sob sister ready to write a story? <laughs> Well, I got a good nose on me. I smelled that right out. That story about a heartless law firm throwing a poor old news dealer out into the street could have ruined us. Isn't that funny? I, I was just telling Edith it could have ruined us. Oh, it could have ruined us. Of course, your really brilliant stroke was in sending your son-in-law over to convince Hennessy to move his stand in the new skyscraper. Uh, uh, Howie's a talker. Yes, that Howie can really talk. <laughs> well, now Hennessy can talk to all his old customers, and everybody's happy. Now you can take that cruise on your son-in-law's boat. Uh, J.R., he doesn't have a boat. Ship! Yes. Well, I... I'd like to have you bring your son-in-law over for dinner some evening soon. My wife will call you. Fine, J.R. Well, look Good night, Mr. Today. Hoskins. How about that? I'm going to have that talk with Howie. <laughs> Packing? I finished, Dad. I'm sorry for all the trouble I've caused you. Nonsense, Howie. We wouldn't dream of letting you go. We need you more than the Navy does. You need me. Of course, even if you are an eccentric. I mean... Oh, uh, that, that's all right. I'm eccentric. Well, then I think eccentrics have contributed a great deal to the fields of science and... Uh, uh, politics and, uh... Literature, theater, invention, music, poetry, philosophy. Yes, yes. That's, that's just why you're the type of irritant that, uh, produces progress in, in our world. And havoc in our homes. A pretty sad excuse for a son-in-law. I wouldn't have anyone else in the world. Howie, we've never had a son. You're gonna be it. Do you mean that, Mr. Sims? Dad. Dad! <laughs> now you unpack that suitcase. Barbara. I'm proud of you. You handled that like a real father. The boy's got good stuff, Annie. You know, Edith, I think he really is a genius. And that's almost as nice as having a millionaire in the family. As long as I don't have to live with him. <laughs> Tomorrow we'll help them find a nice apartment of their own. I am going to be a father of that boy. I'll have him down to the office for lunch, and we can have him here to dinner once a month. <laughs> Hello. Oh, hi, Bob. What? Bob, 
Wilson's caller to thank me for sending Howie to him. I knew he'd be an asset to your organization. Well, Howie's only been on the job one day, and he's come up with a reorganization plan that the board of directors thinks is brilliant. Oh, that's your son-in-law. That's my son-in-law. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Hello, B Bob. Bob. Why? How he made up a list of people at the office who could be replaced by machines. <laughs> Bob Wilson's name was first on the list. <laughs> and do you who whose name how he put second? His own. <laughs> He's fired. <laughs> Then he'll just have to stay here with us until he finds another job. Oh, that could be years. How he could be living with us for years. And Edith, he wants babies. He's got that fertility symbol up there. He wants a dozen babies. I can see them. All grown up like Howie. Playing the oboe. Home, sweet home. <laughs> this really was a great show. Yes. You know, it, this almost has the same problem I mentioned uh, with uh, Stick Around. Yeah, this works for one episode. But, I mean, is this just going to be the shenanigans between the son-in-law and Paul Lind? Is that going to be the basis of this series? Just, you know, he's the, again, the nerd. The the person who, I think, believes he's smarter than the room, but he's actually the dumbest person in the room. Well, they basically did that with the Paul Lind show like a decade later, except instead of being like a smart beatnik, he was a smart hippie. So maybe this did sell it just didn't sell in 1962. It took till 1972. Yeah. But no, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I, I think this is definitely the best pilot we've talked about this year. Would have liked to see what would have happened if there were more episodes. I wonder if just the landscape of sitcoms at this point, 1962, is, I don't want to say maybe not ready for this, but, I mean, when you look at 1962, that's sort of like when you have Leave it to Beaver, and I don't think the Dick Van Dyke show premiered yet, so... I, I actually think it was on at this time, 62. Okay. Still, I think it's still in, like, a an era of change. It's one of those shows that if it sat around for a decade or was revived a decade later, works perfectly fine. At least for a season it did. Well, it would take another decade for this to finally be ready for series. But in 1962, Howie was almost a thing on TV. But also, Mike, I want to mention, isn't it weird to see Paul Lind Married with kids? And with like a good head of hair. He didn't really have that receding hairline that 
I, I think we associate with him uh, on Hollywood Squares back in the 70s. But yeah, isn't that funny? Paul Lynn with a wife and kids and a son-in-law. Who would have thunk it? They didn't talk about those things back in the 60s. No, 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 no. No. But Mike, I have something good for you. Okay. I have ChatGPT write me a poem about Paul Lynn. Now, here right. we go. Are you okay. ready for this? I'm ready, yeah. All right. In the realm of comedy, a true gem did shine. With wit and charm, Paul Lynn was divine. A master of one-liners, a comedic force. His talent left audiences longing for more, of course. With a mischievous grin and a twinkle in his eye, he captivated hearts no one could deny. His quick-fire humor, his sly retorts, made us laugh till our bellies hurt. From the stage to the screen, he conquered it all, a versatile performer standing tall. In Hollywood's golden era, he found his place with comedic timing and an unforgettable face. He tickled our funny bones with every line. In sitcoms and game shows, he'd always shine. As Uncle Arthur on Bewitched, he brought us glee. His quirky antics are the late to see. On the Hollywood squares, he held court. With sharp comebacks, he never fell short. His laughter contagious, his presence a thrill. His wit unmatched, he possessed a unique skill. Behind the humor of soul complex and deep, a struggle with inner demons he would keep. But on the stage, his talent soared bringing laughter his true reward. Though he left this world far too soon, his legacy remains a comedic boom. Paul Lynn, forever etched in our hearts, a legend of laughter he still imports. So let us remember, with a smile on our face, the joy he brought to the world with grace. In the realm of comedy, his name will resound. Paul Lynn, a true legend, forever renowned. That's a great way to end this episode. Yes. No, I think I know a better way. No, I'm not going to give you a limerick or a sea shanty. I'm going to tell our listeners, it was the thing on TV.com. That's where you can find all the previous episodes, all 382 previous episodes, plus this one. Plus, we've got live shows, and we've got instant reactions. We've got live watches, including... The Cube Season 2 premiere, which we just did this past week, which was absolutely awesome. And also, don't forget, we're on social media. We are at It Was A Thing On TV, except for Facebook. Catch us at It Was A Thing On TV podcast. YouTube, same thing. We're at It Was A Thing On TV. Don't forget, hit that bell, like, subscribe, and stay up to date with all our releases on that platform. We're going to do a little break from the end of pilot month coming up later this week because an event is happening. Well, it is happening. It's, it's not a TV event. It's not a movie premiering. Somebody's getting older. And since that person's getting older, that person is using his money in the bank pick. And if you listened about a month ago, you know what it is. And you know how myself and Chico, we were flabbergasted. We are expecting big things. And I think you should be expecting big things too. This is going to be a good episode. 
So until Thursday, when we get to that special episode, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. And we'll catch you later on this week with that very special episode, plus another pilot later on this week, right here at It Was a Thing on TV. Take care. Thank you very much. Greg, roar us out. Let's see what you got for us. Wow! Well, let's start with the satellite map. The, oh, we'll, the satellite we'll map. Is this the satellite map? It's going no, to it appears magically. Oh, okay. Oh, it looks like trouble. <laughs> uh, now, a heavy fog in New York. Uh, <laughs> or is that London? No, do I go to this now? Yeah. yeah. All right, okay. Uh, well, this is where we're at, isn't it? Right here? Is the H hot or humid? It's both. <laughs> now, when there's rain coming down from Canada, Boy, and is this New York? My favorite city in this country. It looks like they're in trouble. Rain in Maine, rain in is it Massachusetts? Is that it, Jennifer? That's it, that's it. I didn't go to school. <laughs> and Sonny, oh, and Georgia, we're headed for Georgia. And I'm worried really about Texas. I was reading today that they've really had a hot spell there and uh, we're headed for Dallas and Houston, two of my favorite cities, so cool down. And uh, heavy rain headed toward the North Pole. And, uh, oh, it's 111 in Nevada, right? There's nothing in, uh, in California. What is that? Uh, low. Low? Low. 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 What does that mean? It means there's bad weather there. Ah, I live right there. And 69. <laughs> you know, I have a niece that lives up there. <laughs> Happy 69. <laughs> no reaction. No reaction. Says Paul in saying 69. Nice. Oh my gosh. And then it said right there, go to next map, Paul. Like they didn't have cue cards in Toledo. Oh my.